I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In this podcast, I had the absolute privilege of speaking with Graham Bailey. Graham gave us a lot of insight into his career as a footballing journalist, as a football insider. We talk about of a wide variety of topics throughout. We talk about managers, we talk about transfers, both Middlesbrough and not Middlesbrough. Um, we talk about Sunderland, we talk about Wayne Rooney, we talk about a lot of things. Um, it's a very, very good podcast and Graham was a great guest to have on. So this is the Borough Breakdown. I'm Johnny Bullock. Let's get right down to it. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown with me, Johnny Bullock. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to have Graham Bailey join me on the podcast this evening. Um, as you may know, Graham is a football insight writer, insider, and well well rounded great bloke. Um, I'm really delighted to have him on. Graham, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. No problem at all, Johnny. Um, yeah, so it'd be great to to start this podcast off, Graham, with a little bit about you in general. Um, it'd be great to hear how you initially started off writing about football and how you got into more of like the journalism side of things within your life I know you do a lot of work now and you've had a lot of experiences over the years and it'd be great to hear about how you got into it and how your story progressed from there Yeah, it started way back at Longlands College as it was after school I went to Ian Ramsey in Stockton always wanted to get into football and journalism was something I was always aspiring towards and I did a media course at Longlands then wanted to do a journalism degree combined with politics at Leeds University but I was based in Barnsley for three years hmm. and from there yeah I just got lucky applying for jobs all over the place and I ended up working getting a, a, a job for a company at the time called Planet Football hmm. at the time they were um, doing club websites etc and I was very fortunate that one of those was Middlesbrough at the time it was a company that used to do lots of clubs websites they went on to launch their own 
football news website, which I became part of, and that's where the writing began for me. And we went on and on for quite a few years, became very successful. Sky, B Sky B came in, bought us out. We were part of the same company as Surrey Sports, who became Sky Bet. Hmm. And yeah, we were based in Harrogate for many years, um, moved to Leeds um, after that, after a few years. And by this time, it was skysports.com we were working for. And I'd been there for oh, 15, 15, 20 years before leaving. About five years ago, they relocated their offices. They shut the offices in up north in Leeds at the time. And I didn't really want to be based in London, so I decided to uh, go our separate ways. And I started freelancing, and I've been doing that ever since, working for various companies, PR, but um, my main... Brad is writing for the Sunday papers, which I do now, mm. um, on a freelance basis, mainly tra- football transfer stories, but bits and pieces um, mm. all over the country for different publications. Oh, that, that's great. I, I know you mentioned a couple of things there, obviously one about writing about Middlesbrough and the, the transfers as well. So how do you normally get your, your insight for transfers? Am I allowed to ask that question or is it, is it, is it, is it, who, is it who you know in this, in this game? It is. Obviously, for me, things have changed. When I first started playing football a long time ago, I was chasing up as a as a, as a fresh face in the industry. It was all about the agents, mm. um, who now, many of them have become my friends over 20 years now. I, I know players, chief executives, scouts, and, and, and they all act as sources many times, you, you know. It's... Yeah. Obviously, I have a bias towards the northeast and Millsborough particularly, <laughs> but obviously with my Sunday newspapers head on, I'm always chasing mainly the top six if I can. Yeah. And yeah, it just involves me speaking to people in the game and around the game, and you get trusted. You know, yeah. I have a lot of information that I can't I can't publish. I get told things, and it's just building up a reliable contact network of sources yeah. really, and, that, and that's how it works. Obviously, I'm fortunate that. A lot of my sources have come good over the years, um, but I'm still um, producing the goods as it were this year. I've had a good half a dozen back pages on the Sunday papers. Mm-hmm. You won't see my name because I'm a freelancer. Yeah. I, send, I sell my content to the papers. But, yeah, um, it, it's going quite well. A lot of it is just being the right place at the right time, yeah. knowing the right people. And so I can't tell you which story is. I'm doing a story for this Sunday's papers about a player who's leaving the Premier League club. Mm. And I just landed on my feet. I was speaking to another agent who isn't doing the deal, but he just heard, oh, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so to, to XY is a done deal. I was like, oh, no, I didn't know that. And um, It's really interesting work for the Sunday papers, actually, because you get a lot of stories early in the week and you're just praying and hoping. Yeah. You're checking online every day to make sure it hasn't come up somewhere <laughs> else because that's what has changed now in this world of the internet. Even the last 10 years, yeah. trying to keep a story quiet is very, very difficult. It's fascinating, actually, how how things come about, um, and especially with with agents and, and stuff like that. I'm, I'm I, know, I know it's not Middlesbrough related, but I'm very interested in the the Wayne Rooney deal. That's just, just I think it's just been pretty much announced today on, on Sky. Um, him, him going to DC United. What's your What's your thoughts on Rooney going there? I, I, I'm quite. I think it's a good move for him now. But what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, he had a lot of talks about China. Not um, last year, and obviously his agent Paul Streff has been working on this deal for a long time. He's had a lot of things lined up there. Rooney, 
there was a lot of options. There was America there from China, Middle East. There was other English clubs who wanted him. Mm. There really was. Um, I, I know a few people close to close to him. They were telling me that more, more than likely he would stand firm for a few weeks just to see what would happen with Sam Allardyce, whether yeah. he would stay or go, because we think he is going to leave. But then I think he's just he's just had a sit down and thought about it at the age of 32. He's going to go over there and be the biggest star in the MLS. And who knows, will that chance come again if he has another average season? Mm. Not that he's been too bad, I think he's had a decent season. But yeah, he's striking while he's hot. And there's worse places to end their career than America, isn't there? I yeah. imagine he's had a word with Stevie Gerrard, a very mm. good friend of his, and things have worked out very well for him, haven't they? So yeah. uh, I imagine he's just taken his counsel over the last week and um, he's decided to go for it. Yeah, I think I think MLS is actually a good move, and it's it's uh, it's a division that's actually getting a lot better um, in terms of the standard. I know with Zlatan going over there, and you've seen the likes of Gerrard, Beckham, and oh, uh, well, Giovanni De Santos going over there as well. Um, but mm. and obviously, I obviously living over there for a, a little bit of my life, I did see a couple of the the new. I seen well, initially seen New York City um, playing there when they well premiered in the. In the MLS, and I just noticed that the actual standard itself is is not that bad considering. But I think Rooney will stick out like a sore thumb when he when he does eventually go over there. Um, but it's like a lot of players, really, isn't it? So it's like a lot of players who will actually stand out when they they go to that division. But then then again, there is players that actually struggle because the pace is the pace of the game is slowed down compared to the Premier League or. It's it's just a variety of different things, but I think Rooney will do well. Um, but I also think Rooney's probably one of the most underrated footballers of this generation. Well, well, the last the last fifteen years or so. Yes, I think he's broke so many records, like all-time England goal scorer, all-time Manchester United goal scorer. He started debut when he was like sixteen for for Everton, and yet he's always been perceived like he hasn't done it all. Um, so I feel like that's a bit of. Um, it's a bit harsh on him. Would would you probably agree with that? Yeah, I, I totally do. And the MLS thing, I I'm a big fan of the MLS. Obviously, I do um, a show on, part of the show on Sirius, which is across America on a mm. weekly basis, and I get criticised that often, quite often, because I, I refer to MLS as a retirement home a lot of the time, because mm. I think it's better than sometimes than just being that retirement home like they've been for Kakar. Yeah. Uh, and even Ibrahimovic now, I think they should be going for people like Rooney at 32. I think it's a better move. I think Rooney, I think it's just his PR, really. You know, yeah. he's not he's not the best looking chap in the world. Um, mm. He's had some bad publicity off the field. And is he that likable? He probably isn't. I love him as a player. Um, he's a great bloke, but I think he just suffers from a bad PR, really. Yeah. Um, whereas he's the opposite of David Beckham, isn't he? Who could do very little wrong, no matter what. So mm. I think he's just a bit unfortunate that way. But yeah, he'll go over there, be a huge star. And it's a very good move for him. Yeah, I do as well. And obviously, going back to what you initially said about like your career, and it was interesting to see that you um, with playing football, you used to write about Middlesbrough. So it's kind of good to move this conversation along to Middlesbrough this season. Of course, we're both Borough fans, and we're both, uh, of course. And so I'm interested to see how you found this season so far. I know we've got the playoffs on Saturday and Tuesday against Villa. And obviously that could define the season if we got Wembley or not. But how would you say that the seasons went for you? Yeah, it's it's been very up and down, hasn't it? I the the appointment of Gary Monk was was at a time I thought a good one. I thought mm. it was progressive. I thought it would do okay. 
I think his signings on the whole were generally pretty good, or they seem to be. Hmm. And and because I, I, I loved like the Brentford signing, that's some longer, etc. I thought it was pretty exciting. But obviously, even within the first few weeks of the season, I think it became fairly evident very quickly that there wasn't much of a shape there, was there? And no. It didn't appear that there were players knew the game plan, or if they knew the game plan, it wasn't a game plan they particularly appreciated or believed in. Yeah. And I think that really affected the performances. I think there, there definitely wasn't a plan B in a lot of games. Mm. And I just think Monk looked a bit out of his depth at, at times. But yeah. I was very pleased with Steve Gibson. I think he's learned from his mistakes um, with with Aitor Karanka, who should have gone months before he did. Uh, it cost Borough dearly. I think he learned from that lesson, and it, it's pre- it's paid dividends so far because he's brought in Tony Pulis, the highest paid manager in Middlesbrough history, hmm. and he had to do it. He's brought in a Premier League manager who is now delivering. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's a, he's a lovely bloke. I've interviewed him a number of times, have a few dealings with him, and he really is a, a great bloke. And the football argument, I, I don't, I don't go with at all. You know, we we just come off the Premier League under Cranker, which was the worst football in my lifetime as a Middlesbrough fan. It was genuinely appalling, and that'll never ever that'll pay the significance to anything Pulis puts on the field because he'll always play two wingers. He'll play front man. He'll play number ten. And and so what if he pack, if we want to look and he packs the bus at times so what mm. it's better than doing it when you want to look against Liverpool isn't it like as Karanka did so yeah. um, no I, I like Tony Pulis I think he's done a he's done a smashing job since he's come in he's he's moulded the squad yeah. uh, and he's he's a real sincere person he, he, he I know he's enjoying the area on a personal level mm. he like he loves it and. And he just already cared about the club, you know. I know for a fact he turned he turned down spending a lot of money in January because he wasn't ready to um, dismantle the squad because he didn't know the players. Mm. But what I would point to the Borough fans is look look at who we did bring in January. He brought more Bessic in. He used mm. his contacts. He knew a good players. Uh, and no one can tell me that Bessic isn't the best midfielder at the club at the moment because he is by a country mile in my view. Yeah, I would I would hundred percent agree with you on uh, Mohamed Bessic. He's just he just he reminds me a little bit. I mean. A little bit like Catamore when t- when Catamore was younger when he has he was that feisty midfielder yeah. and he broke on the play and he got the fans off the seat you know he, he, it was he's actually it was actually quite exciting to watch a, b- a better football yeah. than, like with oh, Catamore yeah um, <laughs> well, I think this he's a better football than most people give him credit for yeah a, a lot well I, I'm not a fan of Catamore now I think Catamore's shite um, now but uh, well it, it depends who you compare him to if you compare him to Grant yeah. Ledbetter he's like Lionel Messi compared to Grant Ledbetter at the moment <laughs> and. Like Campbell did give a little bit of football and last at the stadium of light, didn't he? But mm. yeah, but he's gone downhill. But yeah, Bessic is is a class mm. act, and I think his what he's doing there is allowed Pulis to play that one holding play. And I think Borough got lucky here when Lebet has been suspended. Clayton's yeah. come in and took his chance, and I think that's really helped the team in the last few weeks really push on. Um, that we don't need them two holding players and Clayton's really stepped up to the mark which he did need to do to be fair because mm. that a pretty um, dodgy start to the season yeah um, I would probably agree with you on, on the Leadbitter statement I thought this year should is should be the Leadbitter's last season either whether we keep him at the club as more of a, a coach or a, a change I, 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 I think you'll see him you'll see him on Wearside I think he'll be heading up Sunderland's 
mm. um, promotion charge from League One, from what I've been told. I think that's a, very likely to happen. And I think that'd be a great move for him. He's obviously a Sunderland fan at heart. Yeah. Um, it'd be a great move there to finish his career, getting the club back to where they think they belong. Yeah, I, I, well, I was actually surprised that he's probably going to Wayside. Well, it makes sense. It does make footballing sense for him to, to go there now, especially at the stage of his career. I think Housen, um, Clayton and Bezic are your three. Um, well, it should have been really Housen and Clayton if you're going to go with that four-two-three-one formation at the start of the season, which it looked like we initially were under Monk. Um, but then Leb kind of revitalised the midfield in stages when it was very difficult. I think Ledbetter deserves a lot of respect for mm. to getting the results back up there. And yes, the I think I, I think I think a lot of that was that Housen's poor mm. poor start because Housen I, I was I was a pretty big fan of the signing. I thought it was like a seven eight out of ten signing. Mm. It was a pretty, pretty much a no brainer. Yeah. But I think again he disappointed when he first arrived. He didn't really. He didn't really know what his role was, but again, under Pulis, I think he's getting back to that box-to-box midfield man. Yeah. Uh, he's unlucky not to have scored a few more goals at Derby. He could have had two or three, for instance. So I think, again, it's just a team plan the shape. I think I think it's fallen into place um, mm. for Tony in the last few weeks, and I think it's really coming, coming, really coming to their own now because the players believe in the shape and the system, especially in that midfield three. Yeah, I think house. I I, I like the house and Simon when, when he originally came, and I've a lot. He got a lot. He was criticised a lot at the start of the season, and rightly so. But I think the lot of the whole squad in general deserved to be criticised for the the poor start under under Gary Monk. But um, I think Pulis deserves a lot of credit for putting this team right, getting the fight back in the team, bringing the unity, and I think that all comes down to experience. And you know, Tony Pulis has, has an absolute bags of it. But do you think that the inexperience of Gary Monk and the, say the inexperience of Karanga of managing in the in the Premier League, do you think that was their downfall? Just the inexperience of managing that type of team there. Um, I think with Gary Monk, I think he suffered from not having his number two with him, Pep Clotter. Mm. Obviously, now we see at Birmingham, yeah. he's with him, and, and there's a marked a marked difference there, isn't there? So. Yeah. I think, yeah, again, probably a lack of experience among staff didn't help him. Mm. And um, I felt a bit sorry for him, but yeah, it was the right decision at the time. And Cabranca, possibly lack of experience. The fact that he was so stubborn, mm. wouldn't bow to anyone. And, and, and for me, it was, it was just a simple fact of him changing his system, playing mm. three holding midfielders. Um, there's never an excuse for that. And yeah. we got exactly what we deserved playing that, playing that way. Mm. I said most negative football I've ever seen in Middlesbrough history. It was awful to watch, mm. and uh, yeah, it, we, that squad was good enough to stay up and it should have stayed up. But it was purely down to his tactics that got us took down. Mm. But I'd say probably a lack of experience for, and the willingness to change it probably uh, played a massive part. Yeah, I think um, I think Karanga does re- deserve respect for what he did in, in the championship. I know that you mentioned that he was probably awful to watch at times and sometimes it, it can be quite boring watching just possession style football and grinding out results um, at home but yeah. I think at home when under Cranker in the championship I thought we were excellent at times and the, some of the goals we've scored oh, were we were brilliant. but then there was no need for him to change to, mm-hmm. to get rid of the number 10 in the Premier League if he'd stuck yeah. I think if he'd stuck to his 4-2-3-1 which he used in the championship religiously mm-hmm. it, it changed, for some reason he changed that in the Premier League mm-hmm. if he'd stuck to that yeah. um, would have stayed up I, I have no Quite yeah. about saying, I think we would have stayed up if he stuck to that system, but he changed it. Yeah. Um, because he was fight, he was obviously fighting to go teams. He was 
very defensive. So um, mm. uh, that was his decision. But yeah, I think he'll come. I think he'll still probably regret that that um, yeah. that he did change that. But I think if he'd stuck to it, as I said, we would have stayed up. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think the, the three in midfield, the holding three. Is very, very was very very ineffective, but I think he got let down as well with by a couple of players. Obviously, Ramirez was a was a big one, um, where he just he just decided to stop playing for us. And then obviously with the three in midfield as well, it kind of starved Negredo. Um, of although, course. although if you look at Ramirez from past season, Johnny, he, he's one of the most effective players in Serie A. He's on yeah. the top flight in assists. Mm. If you've got a player who is um, a fantastic number ten, mm. don't play him. Don't play him on the left wing. Yeah, not keeping at number ten. Mm. So the lack of effectiveness from Ramirez stemmed from Karanka, not from Ramirez. From what I, from what I know as well, that um, and coming out of the squad, um, he, he was never going to play. He was never going to be an effective left winger, and yeah. that's how it turned out. And now you look at Sirius, yeah, and he's had a lot, a lot of assists playing for mm. Sampdoria. Yeah, I, I have been you know, like following a little bit of Syria this year, uh, especially with likes of Roma and Napoli absolutely flying. But um, it's. It's nice. It, it's it's nice to see Ramirez do well um, because he was excellent in the championship season and at the start of the Premier League season he was excellent as well. Um, and then and also, I would point out to let, let's see who Karanka did this wonderful job at Middlesbrough. Mm. Wh- which Premier League job did he get after Middlesbrough? Which big club took him on? Uh, a lowly championship club took him on. Yeah. I think that tells us a lot about um, Mr. Karanka and what he did at Middlesbrough. I think, it, Pers- personally speaking, yeah, um, I think it was a it's a good opportunity for him to, to go to Forest. I know it's it, it's obviously asking them to to replicate what he did with us. If I'm bearing in mind, we were well. I think Mowbray deserved a lot of credit for what he did in the process of when Karanka did get appointed because Mowbray mm. was Mowbray was excellent. He, at yeah, he, he got he got a little bit of a lot of the rubbish and. Um, Tony, yeah, I feel sorry for Tony. He's a, he's a lovely bloke, great. But if there's ever any, ever anyone you want to succeed as manager, it was him. Yeah, it was and it was just an unfortunate time. He, uh, he had little money. What money he did have, he, it went on. For instance, Lucas Djokovic it didn't work out, and mm. we couldn't afford that at the time. When we were spending yeah. a million pound on Djokovic, it was like spending ten million pound at the time, wasn't yeah. it for us? Yeah. And uh, and that cost him. But obviously, he's doing a wonderful job at the minute at, at Blackburn. And I know for a fact there's a lot of teams looking at Tony West Brom for one, mm. um, and he's flying. And fair play to him. Um, he's doing a he's doing a wonderful job. Would you ever have him back at Middlesbrough? Oh, 100 I would. I don't really think that'll be applicable. Um, mm. I don't see any turn of events that would say that happen. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, oh, oh, of course I would. Yeah, I think he he, he only ever had Millsborough heart. Um, I think he was very unlucky, as I said, let down a certain time. But I said he overhauled that squad. Well, he got rid of a, a lot of rubbish there, and yeah. he um, he did his best for the club as he always would. And so yeah. obviously, yeah, he's one of the ones who you would welcome back with open arms at any time. Yeah. Um, but who knows? <laughs> Football's a strange world, isn't oh, it? You no. can never say never. Yeah, I know. Um, I would personally like a backup. Well, I would have loved to see Mowbray have the money that Karanka and Monk have had. Um, just oh, 100%. To, to see I what he would when, do. When yet. we got promoted in the Karanka, uh, when we limped over the line, that was the that was the highest paid squad in the championship by a long way. We had two mm. players on over seventy grand a week in that team, yeah. and no one else in the championship had that, had that had had that at that time. So, no, yeah, it, I, I agree with that. It's a shame Morbury didn't get that, but uh, luckily his um, his reputation didn't take too much of a too much of a beating. Nah, I don't think it did. I think it, it's probably pretty, well. I think it's given more respect from the actual footballing world for what he did. I know. I know that towards the end of his Middlesbrough career, Middlesbrough career it did go downhill massively and it's no 
secret that it did. Um, but I still think everyone sees him in, in good in on good terms anyway. I see it on good terms. Um, but obviously, when Crank came in and got promoted and all that, and I think Karanka's tactics were negative after. After well, it's, they started to become very negative when we found out. I felt like the squad wasn't really good enough. Well, it, what we did have amazing players like Valdez, Negredo, Ramirez. When you say those names, you shouldn't really be getting relegated, but we did. Um, mm. But I, I know Steve Agnew is a very, 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 very good coach um, from my friends uh, who well being coached by him. Um, but would it, do you think that Millsborough should have probably hired a and try to get an experienced head when Karanka got sacked? Or was was that never the case? Were, were the, was the options limited, or did Steve have options? Or no, he he, he knows he's got that wrong, Steve. He knew he waited too long. We, we should have changed him in January, if not in December. That it was that January, wasn't it, when we we failed to beat was it West Brom, West Ham. And was it Watford in that month, January month? We had an appalling January, didn't we? Mm-hmm. When I thought we barely registered a shot in that month. Yeah. And that's when he should have gone. And there was, there was two people interested. Gus Hiddink was one who was sniffing around at the time. But then we waited till till March. And we were already down when he went. We, yeah. we know that. We, we were already down when he left. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, th- I think if we'd done something there, he wouldn't have been short of contenders for that job if he'd changed it in January. And I think that's why it has... Uh, happened with Monk this time around, Johnny. I think I think mm. completely he's moved almost. He moved almost. Some people thought too early on Monk, yeah. but I think he had to move quickly because he, he knew the season depended on him making that change. Mm. I think he's learnt his lesson from that. So I think it's quite refreshing from Steve Gibson there that he he thought back to season four and thought I'm not making that same mistake here. Um, Pulis was available and he struck while he was hot. I think Pulis was not only the the right decision, but. Well, he wasn't. He was kind of the only decision, but I think it was the perfect opportunity to get an experienced head in and transform the team. And I'm so I'm actually delighted that it's happened. And I think with, with Gary Monk, um, a lot's been said about how he departed, and I'm hoping you can give me maybe shed a bit of light on it. Um, but do you think Monk deserved to get the boot? Um, the way he did, I know a lot of people are saying that yes, we we lost on he got sacked on a defeat on a win. Um, but do you think it could it could have came sooner, or would, do you think it was just absolutely spot on the timing because obviously Pulis was available? Yeah, I think it was pretty much spot on. I think some people would argue it was too early, and you could see that point of view. There's others. To be fair, he hadn't lost me at that point because. I was fairly positive about his appointment. There was a lot of people who I do know who were negative about the appointment, so mm. it didn't take much for them to get on the other side of the fence that he should have gone. So, no, I think it was just about right. I don't think it was a huge shock to a lot of us, even those who were sort of supporting him at the time, because, again, it, it was almost a subscribe. That squad was far, far better than what you were seeing on the pitch, wasn't it? So, yeah. and, and I said the chance to get Pulis at the time was too good an opportunity. To miss for me, and all purist Tony starts a lot of people to win over at the club. Um, but I see it from we have to get back in the Premier League, and he's the perfect man for the job in my eyes. Yeah. I don't understand the negativity around him really. I think he's done a wonderful job so far. We're going to playoffs. Yes, we're underdogs, but hey, in in January we snap hand anyone's hand off if we're going to get in the playoffs, and to finish oh, yeah. fifth as well. That was just an added bonus really. Yeah, I think I really like Tony Pulis and I like his style of play. And a lot of people say that 
that it, it's long ball and it, it can be boring, like even described as old-fashioned Brexit football um, by some uh, by some fans. But I don't think that's the case at all. I think his football that he puts out is actually quite entertaining to watch. It's very direct. It's effective, um, mm. and he deserves. I think, I think it's very Mourinho-esque in a way. Mm. Um, you got the two wide men. You got your number ten, your front man. Um, but then when you're a goal up or if you're winning and he sees the opportunity to shut the game down he'll do it so I think it is very much like that and some teams will get a beating off us but other times we'll, we'll sit down but it can't be that negative can you when you're playing two wingers and a number 10 do you know what I mean it's not, it's not like the old fashioned Wimbledon or anything is it <laughs> no, no, nothing like that at all um, however I am a huge fan of the, the, the long throw-ins by the way I'm a huge fan of that um, even though I'm in a coaching perspective, I do like my teams to set up and play possession-style footballs. It's kind of like Karanka-esque, which, um, which probably won't board well with you. Um, but it's how I like my teams to set up more. More, but I'm not in a four-two-three-one, but more like a three-four-three formation and really po- possession-style football. But mm. I do like. I like I'm, yeah. Fashion. I like my. I like what he's done with the fullbacks in this team, yeah. and I think it's it helped George Friend particularly, who I think oh, is massively, defensively yeah. hugely questionable. But he likes his fullbacks to defend first. That's the priority. And that's how I like, well, especially in a four, that's how we should set up. I like my fullbacks to defend. I like my wingers to attack. <laughs> Very yeah. old-fashioned that way, but I think fullbacks uh, first priority is always to defend. I think this system helps that, and I think that's made us a bit more solid. Yeah. Um... I know our friends obviously been well a, a lot better under under Tony Pulis, but what's your thoughts on him or Fabio? Um, I personally prefer Fabio. I think Fabio offers you more on the pitch. Um, he's just really athletic and gets up and down. Um, and I think friends coming towards the end of his career. Um, who 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 do you prefer in in that left back position? Oh, it's, it's Fabio all day long. He's he's a better footballer in every every way. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue that. Mm. I think long term, one you have to look out for there. Um, talking next season beyond, don't be surprised to see Ben Gibson turn up at left back. This is Tony Pulis team. He likes yeah. very big guys across the back four, and I think Ben Gibson. Um, and from what I'm hearing, I think it's a distinct possibility that you'll see him turn out at left back uh, in the future. But not this season. Obviously, he's got friend in Fabio. As I said, I totally agree with you. Fabio should yeah. be in the team priority. He, his ability to get back when he does make mistakes from a left friend a long time ago yeah. and um, yeah, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree I don't think we'll see it but yeah, I do yeah. agree with it but I think Fabio <laughs> has offered a lot in these. he's been coming out in midfield hasn't he on the yeah. wing and he's been offering a lot in that role as well mm. so um, yeah I, I agree but I think it'll be Mr Friend who's at full back for the rest of the season for sure yeah it's interesting about Fabio actually because there was a lot of talk about him leaving the club in January and going back to the to Brazil, well, um, it, it was actually interesting today that he signed a, a new contract with the club where we we opted for another year. Um, yeah. do you, would you be able to give any insight on that in terms of what went on in, in the behind the scenes? Was he a done deal to Brazil or was he? Was... Yeah, op- options are a very very interesting thing with all players. Generally, the an option of contract like that is all down to the club, and obviously Millsbury took that option on purely to protect protect his value. 
Mm. If we go, and they'll have the say on him. They could still release him on a free transfer if they wanted to. Yeah. At the time, I know that when Tony came in, he, he spoke to Fabio, and, and he wasn't disruptive at all. He, he was just of the view that he wanted to go to South America if the opportunity arose. They gave him that opportunity. Yeah. He had a few talks, and it didn't. It didn't work out. And I still probably think that if if, if the right move comes there for him, he'll go in the summer. And he'll go with the club's blessings. Um, yeah. I think, from Tony's point of view, he doesn't want to keep any players hand happy. Yeah. And we saw that with Braithwaite in in January. Mm. Uh, I think obviously he wasn't ha- happy. He wasn't settled, so Tony let him go straight away. So yeah, he's one of these. Um, he's no fast imagine in regards. He he'll talk to a player, and if a player's unsettled, he'll do his best to get him out. And I think that's what, probably what we'll see with Fabio this summer. That he'll probably. Um, try and help him out if that's the way he wants to go. Yeah, no, it's, it's understandable. But I think when you, it was a good point on Braithwaite there that you mentioned that he was unsettled and, and so sort of so forth like that. Um, I actually really liked Braithwaite when he was at the club, and I was quite shocked that we let him go initially. I thought it was really to do with the World Cup, obviously coming up, um, and he wants to get in, get obviously get in the squad, really, isn't he? So is that? Probably the reason why I wanted to go or was it a, a clash of styles. Oh, yeah, that was. An, I, know, I know he sat down with Tony, he told him he wanted to leave through the World Cup, exactly as you've described, and he wasn't too happy. And 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 Tony, when he came in, obviously he doesn't have time for niceties at the minute. Hmm. Um, not that he was horrible to him, he wasn't in any way, shape, or form. He said, if there's an offer there, you can take it. Uh, if you're not going to be here for this push then yeah go, go off on loan and then we'll assess it in the summer and Tony is one of these guys unlike Karanka again he doesn't hold grudges Tony really you know um, if Braithwaite comes back in the summer he'll, he'll look at him and assess the situation then and I think Braithwaite could I could see him playing on the right for in a Pulis team I really could mm. so I wouldn't rule out Braithwaite being a Tony Pulis player in the future yeah um, I would like to see him on more like the left hand side with Triore on the right, but then there's obviously a lot of talk kind of Triore and it and there will be this summer. I think he's been absolutely tremendous since Pulis has came in and Pulis's yeah. experience again, um, kind of revolutionising the way Adama plays. Now he very very much focuses on his strengths rather than his weaknesses, which previous managers actually did. Um, they try. I think previous managers like Monk and Karanka try to focus on the negatives rather than the positives, and I think the just the adjustment that. Pulis has made has made a completely better footballer. Um, do you think Adama's probably going to go this at the end of the season? I think he definitely will if if we don't get promoted. But do you do you think he'll leave regardless? I do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day we've got a young what twenty one, twenty two now. He's one of the best young players in the world at the moment, mm. and the way he's been playing hasn't gone unnoticed. And if we can get a deal worth thirty million. For, for a player we played paid nothing like that for basically we picked him up for nothing mm. a player like that you've got to take it you know it, it, we, we don't know what he's going to do in the Premier League he, he, we think he'll be great and he probably will be mm. but a club in Middlesbrough's position you have to take that and yeah, uh, wish him wish him good luck in the future but yeah I, I do think that he will believe if we get promoted I think there'd be a chance of re-signing him on loan if he went to probably a Chelsea who, mm. who we know love him and have been into him for a long time now. Um, so if he went there, there'd be a chance of getting him back on loan. So I wouldn't rule that out if we get promoted. But yeah, I think the only way we see him again in the, at the Riverside after this weekend would be um, if we went up and then probably on a loan deal. 
Yeah, um, it'd be sad to see him go because I think he's been so exciting this season. Uh, well, this this half of the season anyway, should we say? Because he didn't really get a look until uh, till about December anyway. So, um, but it's crazy to see that he's picked up all these awards. Um, bearing in mind he's only played the half of the season, and it'd be sad to see him go. But um, move. Oh, definitely. I think it, it, with him and and for Bamford, look what Bamford's done since Tony's mm. come in for the pair. Then imagine if they've been unleashed, unleashed for the whole season. Yeah. I think it would have been uh, firmly in contention for the top two. Um, I, I think with, I think with Bamford, um, he's that type of Cameron Jerome type of player where he's a bit too good for the championship. Oh, that's, very, that's very harsh, Johnny. Do you think? If 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 he's any Cameron Jerome lookalike in our squad, I think it's Jested, but without the goals. Hmm. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of, I think he's I think he's too good for the championship, Bamford. I think with the skills that he has, um, but I think is he good enough for the Premier League? Uh, I think, I think the right system. I think the right system he would be. I think that. Um, he works hard. I, th- I, th- I, th- I like Bamford. I'm one of these. Yeah. Hey, I, I, d- I don't try and flip my opinion on people. I like him. No, I can sure. understand why people don't. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think he works hard, and Tony appreciates that. Mm. And I think he's got um, a huge part to play for us in in the future. Yeah, I think football's all down to opinions and who you like and, and who you don't like. Um, in terms of different systems, so I feel like Bamford probably wouldn't fit in my type of system because I prefer mm. more of like a, an ensemble longer, like that mm. type of that type of figure, more of a bold figure up top and direct in line. But Bamford's a lot oh, a bit oh, different. I, I like. I, don't get me wrong. I think that's just a case, isn't it, of mm. Aston Belonga, Um He will be sold in the summer. No, no, no dispute to that. I think he will be leaving. Um, but that's purely purely down to the system we play. He's not going to fit in. I say I, I like Aston Belonga. I was really excited when we signed him. He, he's great at what he does, but I don't think he fits into a pure system. So I don't think we can have any um, real negativity around him leaving when he does leave. Um, he'll leave with the best wishes, won't he? To be fair, but yeah, yeah um, we'll see. We'll see how that one pans out. But yeah, he's just not suited to the system. So mm. um, it's a bit of a luxury to have him sat on the bench, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and I feel for me that I don't think really Bamford does either fit that type of system. Um, just if it's if we're playing long ball, if you want to play down the channels, I think it he might struggle a little bit. Um, and technically, Gusted's the that that purely centre forward, would you say, in terms of like the run, like type like Rondon and stuff like that. But obviously, Gusted's not uh, as yeah, good as you think. I think he likes to to work hard, and that's what mm. suggested does as well. He likes to. Um, win the ball as well. I, th- I think Bamford does offer that, and I think he's very pleased with the way Bamford closes in down the channels. He works for the team. He puts his he puts the team ahead of himself, which obviously Jester does as well. Which um, one of the few things he does do on the football pitch. Mm. Um, obviously, I haven't seen the goal score inside of it yet, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, I think as I said though, with 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 Tony. Whether we stay up or, or we go up, there'll be a lot of changes yeah. to that team and the striking department. I think it'll be a major part of that. I think it, I think changes needed. Um, we've had this that same core of players since to- the Tony Mowbray era, um, and I think those players are starting to get well, not get, well, yeah, can get older a little bit. We're not we're older in a in a football in terms of very much younger than their age, but obviously likes of friends, um, Grant Ledbetter, of course. Um, Gibson may move on in the summer if, if we don't go up. Um, I think like the club might be not the club, the core will be a dismantled thing. We'll be refreshed, and I think we'll we'll do a lot better. We'll do a lot better next season if we were to stay in the, in the championship. I think we 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 would probably would definitely go up. 
Um, I think that's the necessity, really. I think you have to go up next season um, if we if we don't do it this year. Um, I know we we spoke a lot about like players move along at the end of the season, but we've of course got potentially three games to go. Um, how do you see the the playoffs like fo- well happening? Really, how do you, how do you see it working out? Do you, do you think we'll win against Villa over two legs, or do you think we'll go up this season? It's a tough one. I think. Um, I, I think whoever wins our semi-final will win. I yeah. do believe that. I think whoever comes through between ourselves and Villa will succeed at Wembley. I think. Mm. I think Fulham will be lucky to get to the final. I think their heads have gone. And I know a few guys in the round their camp, and the fact they could have beaten Birmingham to automatic promotion, it really has got to them that. So I wouldn't rule out Derby beating Fulham. I really wouldn't. Um, wouldn't mm. surprise me to see them in the final. And then, it, yeah, so that's why I think whoever wins our semi will win. And we are the underdogs. I think Steve Bruce is an excellent manager in this position, as mm. is Tony Pulis. I think I, I would give Villa a slight edge, but I, I'm, I'm quite conf- quietly confident going into it. I think mm. if we can get a good result Saturday, um, I'd be confident of going to Villa Park and getting something. So yeah. um, it's exciting, isn't it? We are, we are the underdogs and we haven't really been in this position. Um, it's more excitement than nerves, I think, this time around. Because mm. if we don't go up, it was a great effort. If we do, it's a bonus, isn't it? So yeah. no, I think it's really exciting. And I think we've got a great chance. Mm. Um, but I would make a Villa slight favourite. Yeah, I would, I would definitely make... Villa favourites as well, just in terms of how they've played this season and the way we've been really inconsistent, apart from the last few weeks, of course, where we've just been beating everyone around us, um, besides um, besides Sheffield United. Um, I think Mills, this season, in a nutshell, I think, has just came down to being inconsistent. Um, we, I don't think we deserve to be in the playoffs from the whole, if you put the whole season in general, I don't think we've been good enough to actually get in those positions. But I think the league just hasn't been as, as good this year and I think we've been lucky to get in this position um, the way that we have. Um, but momentum's a huge thing in the Championship and we both know that and we do have a lot of momentum going into it. I think the first goal in the in the tie will be vital, um, regardless of who it's for. I think if Villa score the first goal, they'll shut up shop quite quickly and they'll make it very, very difficult for us to, to break them down. But if, if we score, it'll force them to come out and with the likes I, of... I'm not sure I'm not sure that Tony won't go for a goal on Saturday. I wouldn't rule it out. I think a clean sheet is a is a big thing. So yeah. I don't think it'll part of the bus but I think we'll play very much on the counter. Yeah. I, no I agree. I think it's, it's just the way the the way Aston Villa play as well and the, oh, the, the, yeah, huge huge dangerous team, especially coming the goals they've got in midfield extension. Mm. Obviously we know Albert um Adora, a good friend of mine, he he'll be featuring and unfortunately unfortunately they'll be they'll know our weaknesses as well, so expect them to be going down our left side quite a lot on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we can uh, Hopefully Tony will be aware of this and I think he'll be he'll be making plans. Uh, he'll he'll know what's coming from Villa and hopefully he'll be making plans for that. Yeah, um I know that we we do I actually agree with you on the left hand side. I think we're 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 too slow on that side, no disrespect to to Downing or or to George, but they just the the legs aren't as quick as they used to be. Um so I, I would prefer obviously we I know we spoke about Fabio earlier. I prefer Fabio in the left back position because he can jump higher than George, surprisingly. Um, he's quicker yeah. and he's just he's just obviously all round better left back. And I feel like he could do an overlap a lot better than. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, I, I would disagree. I don't think. I don't think many Borough fans would disagree, Johnny. I think it's just that um, 
Yeah, I don't think Tony will change it, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he did think like that, to be fair, and uh, mm. who knows, let's hope he does. What's your prediction for Villa? Yeah, it's a tough, I think it'll be a draw Saturday, mm. I think it could be a nil-nil, I really do, <laughs> and then uh, then it's completely up for grabs at Villa Park, um, I'd love it to be nil-nil, because then I think Tony could go down and set us up brilliantly. Uh, um, it's a real, it's a fascinating game of football between two at this level, two master tacticians in in Pulis and Bruce, and it's going to be a um, a fascinating contest over the 190 minutes. I think there's more pressure on Villa to go up than us. A hundred percent, there's more pressure. Oh, there is uh, with with the parachute payment to Villa a year behind, a year ahead of us. So yeah, it's 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 hugely more important for them to go up this year than us. Is there a lot of pressure on Steve Bruce? Would you say? And if, if they don't go up this year, I know he spent a lot of money. Um, well, Villa in general has spent a lot of money, and the likes of John Terry won't be on a on a small wage, would you say? Um, so, is he no. in, is he in jeopardy? Would you say? No, I don't think so. I think um, considering Villa were they were a proper car crush of a club, weren't they? Before he took <laughs> over, to be fair, yeah. I think he's really steadied that ship, and it's a ship that a lot of people have tried to steady over the years, isn't it? The same drop down because they could have easily done a Sunderland, as yeah. we've we've seen what's happened to Sunderland there. That could have easily happened to Villa. Well, I think Bruce has done a pretty good job there, and he's got a very steady team. And even if they don't go, Bill. They'll be in that same position again, challenging for Antum, I think next year. Yeah, hundred percent. I think if if they go up this year, Villa, um, that that next season, I think well, if for Millsborough as well, next season for both teams is absolutely vital. If whatever league we're in, um, obviously teams coming down for us. If we were go, if whoever, if we don't go up, the teams coming down, it's going to be difficult to play against the likes of Stoke, and even though Stoke are in disarray at the minute, West Brom, if if Darren Miller takes the job, it might actually be a a good appointment for them and I think Swansea are going to come down with us as well so it is three would you say tough teams that are going to come down but I think we have a, whoever stays down has a very good chance of getting getting up next season um, but if, if whoever goes up um, they have to solidify themselves next season they have to because you know it, it's it, it's going to be such a, I think it's a perfect time for them really uh, whoever goes up it's a perfect time to solidify themselves get the Premier League money and build on that um, for for the the seasons ahead, um, it's interesting that about Villa could have done a Sunderland. Um, we know it's the Borough Breakdown podcast, but I'm interested to talk about Sunderland just for the next couple of minutes. Um, Robbie Stockdale's gaffer at the minute, he probably probably not for much longer. Um, is there any insight of who's going to be their next manager and what's going what's happening at the stadium like at the minute? Yeah, they've got um, they've got a shortlist. Over there, I think Chris, Chris, I know Chris Wilder is one that they really want, and it's because there's a bit of disarray um, at Sheffield United at the minute behind mm. the scenes. So don't be surprised to see Chris Wilder leave Sheffield United, and if he does, the Sunderland option could be a good one. I think they want someone with experience. So yeah, I think Chris Wilder is the number one priority at the moment. Um, obviously, the likes of Appleton, Kevin Phillips has been linked as well. Yeah. But yeah, I think Wilder is the, is the number one target at the moment. He's got that experience of the league one. Yeah. And so yeah, don't be surprised to see that one pan out. You're not surprised to see that not the likes of like Mick McCarthy not even being linked with with that type of job. I think Mick McCarthy would do a great job back at Sunderland now. If he went back, I think he'd do a great job. Um, yeah, I just don't think the new owners are particularly fans of his. Really, it's just one of those. It's just general taste, isn't it? I'm not sure mm. the new owners particularly fan of um, Mick McCarthy football. So yeah, I think it's just I don't, I don't think he'd do a bad job there whatsoever. But I think you have to move on, don't you? Really? Yeah. Um, there's not many too. There's not too many instances of managers doing it again second time around, is there? So. Um, 
yeah, I think they're looking for someone with experience at League One, and so yeah, that's why they're looking towards Wilder. But yeah, there's, there's not going to be short of options, are they? There's still a massive club, and especially in that league, um, they should be bouncing straight back. No, <laughs> they should. They should do anyway. They should. It'd be a laugh to see. Well, it'd be horrible to see them go down again. I think just for Northeast football, they go down. Jesus yeah, I, Christ. I, I don't. I don't think we'll see them go down <laughs> again. But uh, you can. You never know. We were Coventry. It's Coventry in the League Two playoffs. Anderson so Coventry yeah. are big. Uh, it's a bigger club, Massive that, so. club yeah. um, it's a warning to everyone isn't it seeing Coventry down there so yeah it can mm. happen to anyone yeah it's, it's true it could have happened to us really at one point when Stratton was in charge so Jesus Christ that was a, a very bad era I know we spoke about like bad football in our time but I think the Stratton era sticks out for me personally is just possibly one of the worst eras I think I've seen just in football in terms I think it was an awful era yeah, it, it wasn't great. A few signs didn't work out. Again, I was quite excited at the time, similar yeah. to Monk, when yeah. some things didn't work out. But hey, let's not forget, let's not forget he walked away with no money. He did the honourable thing, and yeah, uh, yeah he, I don't think that should be forgotten. Strachan, he's an honourable man. He did the honourable thing, and uh, he did well by Middlesbrough in the end. Yeah, that's true. And before we we move on to like the final part of the podcast and that All Star Borough Eleven, um, so I hope you've been thinking about it. Um, but is there any transfer news you can give us at the minute towards Middlesbrough and to next season, or is it too early to tell? There's obviously A and B lists for all these teams in these positions. There's no surprise to see Tony might be hunting around a few former players: Craig Dawson, Chris Brunt, James Morrison. Don't be surprised to see those guys high on the list. Um, but yeah, from what I said, there's going to be five. For starting eleven, you'll see five or six changes. Um, if we stay down, probably more if we go up. So mm. yeah, there'll be a big overturn of players in now. Mills uh, for sure. Not necessarily huge spends because there'll be a lot of players to move out and we'll make money on. So um, yeah, I think Tony knows what he needs to do, and he's got um, two lists, and, and they're well on with that. I think the one the one side I think we both would agree on is Mohamed Bezic. Every time, um, if we can tie yeah, him down, he, from what I understand, he he won't stay unless we go up. Yeah. Really. Um, but sense. again, it probably depends which manager goes in Everton. I think Allardyce will leave, so a new manager could come in and love him, could come in and hate him. But mm. I don't think you'll probably get Bessie out of Everton before they know what their manager's doing and then summer plans. Mm. Again, yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to get him, but um, and I know Tony would, but I don't think that one would be a quick, um, would be quick, quickly over the line. Yeah, he just he just became a fan favourite since he signed, and it's just, it's just the passion that he shows. I think what everyone loves about him and. Just, if if a player for me shows a lot of passion on the pitch and really gets the fans excited, you know, they instantly become that, that fan favourite. And I think Bezic is very much a fan favourite now along the along the, the same lines as uh, Traore, of course, and Bamford, even though we, we had a slight disagreement on it, but Bamford is is a, a, a definitely a ninety percent fan favourite, of course. Um but let's let's move on to the, the final part and that all star borough eleven. Um so it's up to you on what you want to do. If if it's if it's either best eleven that you've seen or the the all time, yeah. It's what eleven would you pick just to start a football match for me? Yeah. Well? Right. So starting goal, my favourite. Um, it's obviously down to two. Yeah. Schwartz and Stephen Pears, but um, it's a fairly easy choice for me. The best Mills keeper I've ever seen is Stephen Pears. Okay. Without, without, yeah, without a shadow of doubt for me, Pears. Some of the farms he put in were wonderful. I'm not taking anything away from Schwarzer, responsible for some of the greatest moments in my mm-hmm. support in life. That penalty save at City is one of my 
top five Millsby games of all time when I was fortunate to be there for that. So yeah. um, he'll be very be a Borough legend as well. But no, Stephen Pears gets uh, the nodding goal for me. Yeah. Okay. What formation are you playing? Are you playing three at the back? I play. I play a four-three-three. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me off. So my left back. Um, it's easy. Christian Zieger. Um, you know yeah. what he did, but pure world-class player. Um, one of the best ever put a Millsbury shirt on. Yeah. Simple as that. Really upsets me that he only played for one season as well. Um, yeah, it was just unfortunate, and you blame the management for that, don't you? With the clauses, etc. Um, <laughs> that's just football isn't it but yeah um, he, he's a wonderful player and we saw some wonderful things from him just a shame it didn't work out uh, in the long run really yeah it, it really upsets me but go on centre backs we were... yeah centre backs um, tough one this one it's really tough one this it is if, if it was and, and we spoke to, spoke about him before if it was my favourite and obviously Tony Mowbray would be in there and but for me it's Jonathan Woodgate yeah okay and Again, world class, brilliant. His debut at Arsenal against Donnery, one of the best debuts you'll ever see from a Middlesbrough player. So, um, he's a, a great poor lad. Um, complete. The op- other one. Com- sorry, complete opposite to his Real Madrid debut, anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the other one between two, between um, Gareth Southgate and Gary Pallister. Okay. And. Southgate was a club legend, is a club legend. Yeah. Um, I think he tarnished himself quite a lot during his managerial career. And I, I'm giving the nod to Gary Pallister because at the time when he left us, he was the best young defender in the country, if not Europe. So it has to be Pallister and Walker in there for me. And right back, all, all, when we have these conversations, I know with my friends um, and fellow supporters, right back's always a, a strange one. Isn't it it? Is. Your favourite one, obviously... Easy to put Gary Parkinson there for favourite, but mm-hmm. he, he probably wouldn't get in, in the best. So the, with this team, Danny Mills gets the vote, purely oh. nice. that year he had with us, yeah. he wanted to stay and he helped us with Callan Cup success. So yeah, Danny Mills would get the vote at right back. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very, very strong like back five, obviously, if you count pairs as well. Um, I have no no questions on that one. I think I'm absolutely spot on. Um Obviously, mine's a bit younger in terms of who I who I pick, um, and it's in an earlier podcast. I can't remember who I put down now, but no, very very strong back back five. Would you say? Yeah, it's it's easier to pick your best and their favourite year. Far too many hmm. arguments on favourites. Uh, moving at midfield, the easiest selection of the whole team. First name on the team sheet, best midfielder I've ever seen is Emerson. Yep. Without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, my favourite and uh, ever since the day he arrived I was next to him when he arrived I was on the front page of all the newspapers on his, <laughs> I was on his left shoulder and, uh, I'm the guy with the goofy teeth and curtains who is on Emerson's left shoulder in all those photos I bunked off school I bunked off college sorry at Longlands to go and say that so yeah um, Emerson by far to um, be fair we'll there. He, the curtains were in as well in that era so there's there's no there's you yeah. get, you're getting nothing from me because everyone's had the curtains at that point in life. <laughs> yeah, they certainly were. Uh, next to him, um, the one true great George during our era, George Boateng, yeah. would be next to him, without a shadow of a doubt. And then I would have, again, a bit contro- probably a bit controversial, but he was player of the year for me every, every year he was here. Wonderful signing, but give everything to the club hundred percent every game. Paul Lins. Oh yeah, that, that's that's a very strong midfield. That by the way, that's like 
That's not it. getting past that. Yeah, he's not getting past yeah, that back not thing. But with the attacking, with the attacking, two, the two attacking fullbacks, I thought we could get away with that. But Emerson, he's not a holding midfielder, is he? Box to box man. So yeah. with George and Inti sitting, you could let uh, Ziger and Danny Mills get up, get up and down the yeah. flank. Yeah. And then uh, moving forward, then obviously um, number ten role. I would have a little fella in there. You have to. Yeah. Um, a lot of big shouts. Possibly Merson would have a shout of being that number ten. Nick Barnby would have a shout. Of being mm-hmm. that number 10 yeah. but obviously the little fella for everything that he's done for the club in the area he, he, and what he did on the pitch for nothing yeah. else he gets the vote there and the front two obviously if it was my favourite 11 first name on team sheet would be Bernie Slaven my yeah. footballing hero my footballing god grew up at Ayrson with him unfortunately being the best he wouldn't get in this team um, <laughs> so he'd have to make doing the place on the bench um, the two strikers for me yeah, it's not too hard. It's uh, Boxic and Ravinelli for me, mm-hmm. up to up front. Two world-class strikers. I know everyone goes on about Mark Duca. I don't think you can forget the way he left the club the words in Castle. I'll never forgive him for doing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, Boxic and Ravinelli, mm-hmm. and on the day, two joyful players to watch. Absolutely mind-blowingly mm-hmm. wonderful players. And, again, responsible for some of my greatest moments as a Borough fan. Yeah. Um, Again, and, and the one player, the one player I would put in the team, who it was between him and him for the last midfield role was Mendier. I did love Mendier, yeah. but I went with Ince just because I think he probably we probably saw more better Ince than we did Mendier before. Yeah, and when when you you say this like All Star Eleven, you just think of the players that we've had over like the years, and you just think mm. how have we not not won more trophies than we we think we have, but. Uh, it's it's a very strong team that game. Actually, I'll give you that. So to to go back to it, when I was it's pairs and goal, Mills, Pally, Woodgate, and Zeger at the back. Initially said four three three, but I'll forgive you. It's more of a it's more of like a, a diamond formation in terms yeah, of midfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old Terry Venables diamond. Yeah, yeah. Good old Terry Venables. Uh, uh. Well, uh, did wonders actually for part of the season with uh with uh, Robson but um but well, if I was if I was picking a manager for the team Venables would probably get the vote. Yeah? Would you would you say that? Ahead, ahead of Sir Bruce. Well I'd have Sir Bruce or Terry but um Venables it was such a shame he didn't take over his full time but it doesn't count as he's done interim mm. but yeah Sir Bruce Sir Bruce would be in charge of that team. No that's fair. Um so Bruce would be the the gaffer, you got Boateng in defensive mid, Emerson in, in support, and Janino uh, in the hall with Ravinelli and, and Boxic. That, my friend, is an absolute great 11. I'm not mad at that at all. Um, but I know we, we just spoke about Sir Bruce obviously being uh, the, um, your favourite manager in Middlesbrough 11. Who would you think the, the the best Middlesbrough manager we've had like over the last 20 well, years? Is, you can't argue with stats, can you? It's, it's Steve McLaren, isn't it? He, mm. he won the trophy. And, and that, it's as simple as that, isn't it? Um, I think we look back on it now more with more fondness than at the time, don't we? Remember yeah. some of the football, the stick you used to get. I think he yeah. suffered from the remnants of the Robson era. Yeah. The football we played that, in that definitely. era was once-in-a-lifetime stuff, wasn't it? It was amazing. Yeah. We were the most attractive team in the league at that point. Yeah. I think- and... Uh, you know, I think Fulham will probably suffer that when Chikanovic leaves. Whoever takes yeah. over Fulham is going to suffer because he won't be able to replicate the football they're playing now. Oh, yeah. And the same with, under, with Middlesbrough, wasn't it? Although we were getting success under McLaren, a lot of the fans didn't like it. It didn't particularly bother me. I was always more of a, a points over performance sort of guy anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we look back now, don't we, with we've had more fondness than at the time. But, yeah, it, it has to be 
Steve, I've got Rioki again, my favourite, and Robson can't be forgetting for what he did, amazing stuff. Mm. And yeah, but it, it has to be, doesn't it, for McLaren for what he did for us, the trophy. And, and, and let's not forget, Steve McLaren got us into Europe through the league. Through yeah, our that's league true. finish. That's true. And and a, lot of people forget, a lot of people forget that. And today is the, the day that we were in the European final against uh, Sevilla. Um, yeah, less said about that, better, yeah. Less said about that, but I think the run that we had and the achievements that we did under Steve McLaren will probably never mm. be forgotten. In just, it, oh, definitely. Like, for me, the my greatest days of Borough fan um, mm. was Rome when we won there. And yeah. I said to a lot of guys at the time, I said, I don't think it's going to get any better than this. And they're all, yeah, we've got the final coming. But <laughs> unfortunately, it worked out that way. And that's to this day my greatest um, few hours as a Billsborough fan. Yeah, and is about uh, Brian Robson as well. I think we underachieved under Robson. Um, just with the players that we had going forward, I feel like a Lamborghini going forward and just a, <laughs> yeah. a three-wheeler at the back. It was just unfortunate. Yeah, he wasted his time trying to get um, Nadal, wasn't it? He wasted a lot of time trying to sign him. And uh, yeah, if he looks back, you know, we're one sign away from being an absolutely world-class team, weren't we really? We were a great centre-half away from being amazing, weren't we really? Yeah, it was just... It really, it's, I always look back at that that time and just think we we could have done so much more, and then he deserved to go eventually in the end, Robson, because he just lost the he just lost the fans and lost the the club, really, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it's a it's a huge show. We we Ravin, Ellie, Emerson, and Janino, if we kept them together, um, the world was at our feet, literally, was there. It's really it's such a shame uh, that them three had to be separated, because as I said, Emerson was my favourite player, but. You had two world-class guys next to him as well, and it was just amazing times, wasn't it? And um, I still think that, um, and I said, I think that's what did for Steve McLaren in the end, that people were always looking back, that generation of fan, mm-hmm. um, were, were always looking back on that on that football we played and they wanted that replicated. Um, and even though he had more success, people still hark back to the Robson days. Yeah, obviously we've got Pulis now, but... It's maybe a few years down the line. Football is a very unpredictable game, but do you feel like the good times could come back under Pulis? I do. For good times, what I consider the good times, yeah, I think he can make us a top ten Premier League team within two or two years easily. Mm. Whether that's enough for some of my fellow fans, um, some of some of the people turn Premier, I don't think it'll be enough for some of them. Unfortunately, I know some guys now who don't like it. Um, I think it's more what they perceive to be bad football. Yeah. Not for me. I'm quite. I, I like. I like Pierce a lot and what he's doing. I think he will make us a top ten Premier League team. And then, who yeah. knows? I don't think he can hold it against him if he does do that. But yeah, fing- fingers crossed he does. Think, um, but I've yeah. got every confidence we will be a Premier League team again within the next. Uh, within the next eighteen months. I, ho- I honestly hope so. But I think Middlesbrough. Some Middlesbrough fans think that we're going to be. The Manchester United, the Manchester Cities of the world, they think we're a lot better than what we actually are. And I think the realisation of having a manager like Pulis, it might be quite boring to them, but it's such a big coup for the club to have the, mm-hmm. the likes mm-hmm. of Tony oh, Pulis. 100%, 100% agree, Johnny. I think it's, people don't realise it's a massive appointment for Steve Gibson as well, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's on Premier League money here, Tony Pulis. It's the biggest um, managerial appointment he's made. Mm. Um, in them in, that, in them terms and you have to pay for them sort of managers and we have and uh, yeah I hope for Steve Gibson's sake it comes off because he really has again put his money where his mouth is and I think I hope people can appreciate appreciate him for that 
Do you think it'd be the end of the, the inexperienced manager at Middlesbrough now? Do you think, as we've obviously got Pulis in now, do you feel like we'll keep going experienced manager or do you think we'll ever take the gamble back on the, the young buck? No, I think there's always a chance of that, you know. Um, who knows what the future holds? If, if Johnny Woodgate keeps on going the way he is, I love hmm. the way he's involved at the moment, that link between the youths. Um, you see him training the centre-halves before a game. I was, I was at Sheffield United and obviously the highlight of that night was seeing the way he was working with the defenders and <laughs> uh, and what, what better person to learn a, a world-class Teesside footballer. We we've never had too many of them and he's the way he's embraced in the club and I, I, I'm one of these people, I'm not, I don't slag off down in the world gate for being involved in the club. I want to see the old players involved like mm. they do at Liverpool and Bayern Munich this world, they get the old players involved and I, I love to say that, that's what I want. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, so as we wrap things up now, Graham, um, firstly, thank you very much for actually coming on the podcast and giving us a lot of insight. Um, I've really, really enjoyed this last hour or so. Um, I hope you have as well. Um, no, real pleasure. Thanks very much. But where can everyone find you, Graham? I know you've got a big population on Twitter, but where can everyone find you in terms of like, your websites and, and so forth? Like no, that? yeah, Twitter, everything goes through Twitter. Graham, obviously I was named after Graham Sooness, so obviously <laughs> I, was, I was born a Borough fan. Um G R A E M E Bailey um, on Twitter, yeah. All uh, opinions and uh, and stories I do uh, for the most part are on that. Great, thank you very much uh, for that, Graham. Um, we've got a new podcast coming out on Sunday as well. We've got Neil Granger coming on. Um, obviously, the Heaven actor, and he also made those promo yeah, videos. Good, good guy. Yeah, he's a very very good guy. Um, Neil and we've managed to get him on Sunday. Um, and thank you very much for coming on again Graham and thank you very much for listening to the people that are listening Um, this is the Bora Breakdown thank you very much